everybody. <laughs> Welcome back to Tough Talk. Uh, my name is Gabriella Feinberg, your host. My co-host couldn't be here because she has some very important scholarship things to attend to. So um, I'm just going to be here myself running it solo. So today is not our usual episode because usually like my segment comes within like the whole episode of the Pikesville podcast things. Um, but what I wanted to do here because like we had a recent event, the the Atlanta shooting, um, and like it caused a lot of disturbance within our community, within the like the United States community in general. But I I noticed generally like in our like Gen Z community as a whole, I think it um, caused a lot of disturbance. And I think for uh, very time sensitive issues and issues that like cause a lot of uh, possible trauma or just in general like uh, hurt that we should we should talk about them and I feel like the best way to also cope with said situations are to like talk about them to discuss them and so this is why this is going to be more of a standalone episode because you know I really wanted to have this discussion of course sooner rather than later and be able to have everyone here and just you know discuss this all together so yeah this is our this is our episode um of, i'm gonna give you guys the floor to introduce yourselves um i'm gonna start with erish because she's very very familiar to the podcast so go ahead hi guys my name is erish um i don't really know what else to say uh, my pronouns are um she her and i'm a filipina basically an Ameri an asian american i've been here for about going on seven years now, so it hasn't been long at all. Hi, I'm Casey. I go by like she and her, those are my pronouns. Um, and I am a Chinese American. I came, I was actually adopted, but I still like, you know, wanna talk about this topic. Hi, so I'm Rose and I also go by she, her pronouns and I am of Filipino descent and I came here when I was seven. I'm around like, Okay, I'm 18 now, so it's been a couple of years, but um, I still try to keep up with like the culture, so you speak it at home, go to Filipino Fest, all that kind of stuff. Hi, I'm Brianna. My pronouns are she, they. I don't have any Asian family, but I am of Asian descent. My, my grandmother's mother, she has a lot of culture from Native American roots and Asian roots, so that's why I'm here, just... As somebody who isn't really, who enjoys Asian culture, but isn't really a direct part of that, uh, of, <laughs> of the Asian community. All right. Well, thank you, Cass, so much for being here. Um, and I'm going to just start asking questions. Um, this is like a very, a very free, like, questionnaire anybody can answer at any point and of course i encourage discussion if you guys are just on a specific topic where you guys just want to feel free to just you know like revel in it <laughs> so first of all I, I wanted to ask in general when when you first heard of the incident like where did you hear it how did you hear it and what was your reaction um, I guess I could go first. Um, I was actually on vacation. I was in the West Coast, and 
I heard it from my brother at first. Um, he didn't really specify that it was like um, kind of an Asian hate crime. I didn't know. I just thought it was a random shooting. I didn't believe him at first. If we're being honest, I was like, really? I didn't hear anything about it. Got on Instagram. And the first thing I saw was um, actually his picture and a picture of grocery store, I think. Something along those lines. I didn't really like focus on it. I was more reading the like the lines, the subtitles and whatnot. And I mean... I don't know how to describe how I felt. I wasn't shocked. I mean, I kind of figured it was coming like along the way with all like the assaults that um, a lot of Asian Americans have experienced the past couple of weeks, I'd say. I wasn't shocked, but I was scared, kind of nervous because now it's kind of like all eyes are on us and we're in a place that we're not familiar with that's not my state that's not my city you know and I didn't know how people felt towards Asian Americans so ever since kind of from hearing that um incident moving forward with our vacation I've been really aware of my surroundings um really nervous kind of almost paranoid and for the first time in forever I I love being Filipino like I'm never going to be ashamed of that but for the first time in forever, I, I wanted my family and I to tone it down, to kind of tuck it in, hide it away, just so we can blend in with the community that we're at more, because I was scared. And I, I didn't know, I wasn't familiar with that feeling, so it was really weird. And I didn't really like process that until a couple of days later when we got back here. So Honestly, I think it's a really good point that you mentioned. It's kind of like hard to like intake, especially because with like social media, we see like a rise of activism and we see people constantly like reposting like shootings, like the faces of people who have been like brutally like, you know, some people have gotten hit in the face some people like bloody, like we see a lot of that. And I think coming with that, it's like we've gotten desensitized to a lot of this, like this content that we're constantly flooded on towards our feet. Because if you go through anyone's story, um, I mean, specifically, like, who you're following, I suppose, you can see, like, all of these people will be like, oh, like, this Asian man has gotten pushed down the street, and you can see, like, the bloody face, so with, like, a lot of that, you see kind of, like, I suppose, like, since you can see so clearly it's this person who may look like you or someone that you know, it's definitely very scary as, like, going out there, because you may see this on social media, but, you know, to for this to actually ha- be happening in person, but, I guess it's kind of like you're right it's been expected for a long time coming now and it's definitely had a history there so yeah that's kind of like my input on that yeah um i saw it first actually from instagram because i like that's how i just kind of find a lot of things out right like nowadays on social media and everything like that um and i was kind of shocked when i first saw it like i know there's a lot of asian hate crimes going on, a lot of beatings, but I don't, I don't think you ever expect something of that, like, extent to go on. Like, that was crazy to see, like, that, you know, I, it it was, like, eight people shot, and, like, that's a lot, like, that's insane, and so for me, it was really scary seeing that, because, like, you know, like, everyone else has been saying, like, it's, you know, it, it wasn't as shocking because it's been going on for a really long time, but it's still always shocking and it hits you kind of really hard because, you know, um, we all come from, you know, Asian descent and you see it and it's like, 
you know, that person like looks like me, that's really scary because you don't really understand, like, just it's a lot going on. And you're like, wow. And it just puts you in a really new perspective. And it was really scary to see that. And um, I, I think when I first, when I first like finally realized what was going on, I had actually seen a post with the shooter's face before I saw the names of the people that were killed in the shooting, you know, ages, the pictures of them. And I, myself, like you guys have brought up, am really desensitized to stuff like this, which is sad, but that's its own topic. And, but I was really disturbed by the fact that I was seeing this guy's face everywhere. I don't, I like, I would like to think that the people that were hurt and affected by those lives would not want his face around everywhere. I just, I wanted to take part and to celebrate in the lives that were lost and not just see, oh, police said X, Y, and Z about this very obvious Asian hate crime. And that was, that was disturbing to me. That was disturbing how before I even knew the, I want to say it was mostly mainly, if not all women that were, that were murdered in that just before I even knew their names or their pictures, I knew him. And I didn't really, I didn't really like that. I don't, I don't know how to explain the feeling that came from that, but it just was not, not pleasant at all. And that uh, brings up a point that I, I really wanted to um, move on was um, the, the police response, which I'm sure that we have all, all very, clearly heard about <laughs> um so that was one of the first things that i heard about this incident so similar to brianna i didn't really know what was going on until i heard that there was this incident and there was this response specifically um quoted quoted by him um was that the shooter was having pretty much he was pretty much fed up and had been kind of at the end of his rope. Captain Baker said, yesterday was a really bad day for him and this is what he did, um, quoted from the New York Times. Um, so what, how did you feel when and a person who was supposed to enforce the law, when a person who is supposed to be, be like, you know, the protector, for people who are being victimized, the protector for people who who have been killed. How do you feel when he kind of makes somewhat of an excuse for a person who just murdered eight people? Um, so let me ask everyone in the chat. So if you guys have like a bad day, like what do you do if you have a bad day? Do you ever go to the extent of trying to like justify murder like that? Like, I don't think anyone in the rational mind would ever do that. You know, just like saying, you know, I've I've definitely had bad days. I've like I failed my econ test once, and I was like sobbing hysterically. But I didn't go out there and like murder people that were you know correlated to like that at all because I'm a rational person. So when you kind of hear that, it's just like kind of like infantile infantilizing i don't really know the term anymore i can oh my god i'm so sorry but it's kind of like you're you're babying his crime it's that simple it's he killed someone he is old enough to take responsibility and justify it 
well not justify it but like it's like you can't like you can't justify what he did but he can say that he did it he committed a crime and it's not just because of a bad day it's been he's definitely been harboring this for a long time and when you know how like the media portrays asians there's been the hypersexualization the hyperfetishization of women especially asian women uh you kind of see if i may like you kind of see this happening with like mainly people of color so they take your like latinas and they're like oh this is like the spicy latina you can't handle this or you see like the black women being like like they're getting hypersexualized because like they may have like you know like bigger breast or like a bigger butt like they do that kind of stuff and then for asian women you kind of see them as like you know there's like jokes like asian women have like the tightest vagina or like asian women have to deal with this like prostitution that has to do the, the hypersexualization and when he blamed this on having a bad day and that like you know he just didn't know what to do with his temptation anymore those are things you cannot use to justify killing someone and even looking to justify killing someone isn't okay um yeah it it made me so angry hearing that cop say that just because he had like he had a bad day that doesn't make it right for what he did and I feel like the cop made it seem like what he did was just because he was having a bad day he had a temptation he had to get rid of it that does not mean you go out and kill eight people like there's something wrong with that in itself. There's something wrong with that whole like law system, like law enforcement right now is so messed up. And I think that's been happening with everything that we've been seeing recently. It's just so messed up that we keep saying that that's an excuse for what he did. And it's not like I've heard some, I've heard some people say that, um, you know, I've heard a lot of people say this and it's so sad. And I've had to like, talk to people about this because I've heard people say, oh, no, he had like a problem. He was tempted by these women and that's why he killed them. And that's why he's he needed to do that. And I go, no, that's so wrong. And some people haven't called it a hate crime. They don't want to call it a hate crime. And I look them straight in the face and I say that was a hate crime because you know what? That if you look me straight in the face and you say that wasn't a hate crime, you look stupid. Because, literally, yeah, literally, like, it's just, it's so messed up. And I just got so angry. I feel like anger for like, people who do that and say that to me, they're like, that wasn't hate. He had a temptation. He had a bad day. I've heard people like say exactly what the cop said to me. And I'll just be like that you're stupid. You're wrong. And I'll say it straight to their face because yeah, like that is wrong what they keep telling me. I was angry, and I think that stemmed from earlier, well, last year with uh, the George Floyd and how a lot of people were trying to justify his death as it was deserved, and he deserved what was coming to him, and that that made me angry, and it and this made me angry that although that shooter might not have been rational he obviously was not rational to go out and do what he did and then blame it on the temptation the police force who we put our livelihood and our trust in who we trust our rational people came up with that and they defended that is what made me angry i i have never in my life looked at 
I have never in my life ever thought to myself, am I more rational than a police officer? Ever. I really had to, and I was like, this, like, I've, and I've always thought that there needs to be something done about that, but there is no way you can sit there and then see somebody who has committed atrocity and further rationalize with them. And then just when you look in, when I think Rose brought this up, when you look at the sexualization of women and how in turn men are then babied for what they do to women, how how men will commit <laughs> like literal atrocities to women and specifically women of color and they're babied for it. And that's that's no that's no excuse. And I could go into so many topics about how this is literally the system of patriarchy and that still to this day the patriarchy does not make sense at all. But how is it that you can sit there and defend something like that and then still be in a position of power like that over somebody's lives that you have that you are in a position where you need to be rational and that is what you do? That that just that made me so angry. Like I can't <laughs> and uh um that like you all brought up some really great points just about like it it, it really has it really shouldn't be excused. There's no excuse that should be given to someone, anyone who kills anyone, any kind of number of people or anything. Um, and you guys brought up points about like hypersexualization and like fetishizing. And I wanna ask a question, and this may be very uncomfortable for you to answer. And I understand if you'd like to opt out <laughs> of, of answering this question, but it's, but, I, I want to ask you because you know you you know you had you weren't in this situation you weren't like one of the people who were shot at but obviously I'm sure like in some in at some point in your lives you may have experienced times in your life where you were fetishized by others where you may have been hypersexualized not just because you were a woman but because of your of your Asian descent and I wanted to know like if you could talk about that how that makes you feel when you experience it or if you've experienced it and how you respond to to acts like that okay so um i the really the only thing that's ever got made of in terms of an asian perspective are my eyes because my eyes are small especially if yes especially if you take my glasses off my eyes are tiny i am I, although I have Asian roots, I am, I am a black woman. I am a black girl. So I definitely get the, you know, the you're cute for a black girl, stuff like that. But in combined with some people who've seen me as more ablation, more ixed, in a more mixed in a way, it'll definitely be, I get fetishized for supposedly being mixed. And I want to have, I, I've always wanted mixed babies and just really outlandish things that I don't think you would ever say to somebody that is a child. You know, I want to have kids with you. I am 16. <laughs> I'm, I'm 16. There's, there's no way I should be fetishized for my, my parents and my supposed, my supposed race that I don't, I don't really know how to explain how I deal with them. It definitely becomes where I am because this will mostly happen with white men. So if I am in a setting where there is where I where I feel I am outnumbered, 
I definitely can't go about it in the way I would want to. It's more of like a laugh it off kind of thing versus if I'm in a versus if I'm in a situation where there are other minorities or just other friends in general, then I might feel a, a better stance about it. But if I was like, if I was somewhere where it was really like predominantly like white or like white male, I would not feel, I would really just take that comment. And that in itself is wrong, but I mean, yeah. Um, I don't really know if this is an appropriate thing to say in this podcast, but I'm going to say it and I'm going to, put it in a way in which it's not so sexual but um I mean ever since I was young okay let me start over Asian women are seen to have no shape in their body um not a lot of um meat I guess you can say and ever since I was young my family always told me when I lived in the Philippines they were like you have a big butt like you need to cut that down because in the Philippines it's like they focus more on the breasts than the butt um I don't know if anybody noticed that but I did and growing up um my own family they didn't say it to like um make me feel like weird about myself they just pointed it out all the time saying that like I have a big butt and that was something that I was insecure about when I was a kid I was like okay, like, what am I supposed to do about it? Cut it down? And then I moved to America, and everybody was, like, all of a sudden praising me. They were, like, for an Asian woman, you have a great body. Like, you have shape. And I'm, like, that's so weird. Like, when I was being told that my body wasn't, like, fit for its stereotype, I felt weird. Now that I'm in a new place, they're, like, oh, you fit perfectly, like, your body is so pretty, you have such a, you have a butt for an Asian woman, and I'm like, that that's not okay, and it's not acceptable, and I, I, that happened a lot in Pikesville High, I'm not gonna say who it is, but it happened a lot in Pikesville High, and I've never felt more uncomfortable in my life, to the point where I just laughed it off, and walked away, or I'd tell him, I was like, that's weird, but okay, because I didn't know, as a woman, I didn't know what to do, like, is that supposed to be a compliment, am I supposed to be flattered by that, because I'm not, I'm disgusted, and I'm uncomfortable, and that's just one of the ways, many ways, that a lot of um, people have sexualized me as an Asian woman, and it's just, it's not cute. Like, I, okay, I love my family, don't get me wrong, but it was definitely weird now that I grew up and now that I'm thinking about it, it was weird that they pointed stuff like that out. But regardless, it's just, with the body stereotype, it's just so weird. And it even now I'm getting chills talking about it because it's so it's such an uncomfortable position to be put in. Um, yeah, I've definitely had that situation and like, I've had a lot of certain guys at, you know, either my school or like other schools and they'll be like, you're really cute for an Asian or you're like, you know, or like you look like different than like, you know, like, you know, like certain body types, like they're like, you look different and I would be so uncomfortable and I would act, you know, uncomfortable. And then they would be like, what, you're not going to take the compliment. Like, you're not going to thank me for that. And I'll be like, are you serious? Like, are you, are you serious right now? Like, are you looking me straight in, in my face and being like, why aren't you taking the compliment? And I'm like, that's not a compliment. It's not. And it makes me really uncomfortable. And I don't like, I think that's, you know, just in general, like women get like, you know, put in this like box by men. And it's just like, they're just in this box of like, you know, you have to be 
a certain body type to be like, like, you know, slim thick. And it's like, no, like, please do not put me in this box, no matter, you know, it's just, it's so uncomfortable. And you have to just be like, and you know, sometimes it's, it's sad, because what if you're not, if you're quiet, they'll, you know, hate on you, they'll be like, why are you quiet? Why aren't you saying thank you? But if you're loud about it, they'll be like, they'll be rude about it, too. They'll be like, why are you speaking up against me? And I'm like, okay, like, what do you want me to do at this point? Because it's like, it's just so disgusting. And it makes me so angry. Um, yeah, going, going off of that, like, I'm just gonna make a comment just being being sexualized as a woman. <laughs> um, on the terms of like, you know, where you are sexualized based on going against your stereotype, I definitely have too much experience of that, especially in um, my school environment. Um, like from, from seventh grade, um, uh, because that's when, that's when I like had a, had a growth spurt, like all that jazz. Um, yes. And just from seventh grade going onward, I had a, I've had a body that is, I guess, unlike the white stereotype of women. And um, from then on, I'm constantly getting comments on the lower half of my body. Uh, and also, of course, because often it seems like Caucasian women have maybe a bigger top half, I also get comments about the top half of my body. So I get praise for my bottom half, and then I get critique on my top half. Like, I feel like most women also do, in, in general, like, if they don't have the perfect proportions. But I, when I was in school, I used to get um, catcalled at least once a week because of, like, you know, you, you have a big butt for a white girl. I'm like, um, thanks, question mark, like, cool. Um, yeah, and, and Brianna understands, like, you know, if you, if you wear a dress, if you wear a skirt, if you wear anything, not only are teachers going to, um, point you out out of the crowd, but so will absolutely other students. And that's just my, and that's just my, that's just my commentary on me being just a woman in general. But yes, like Rose has a comment. I'd love to hear your comment. Well, like, you know, since we're a lot, uh, a lot of us are females and we've like definitely gone through this, it's kind of weird to think about like one of the first compliments or comments you might hear has to do regarding your body. So when it has to do regarding your body, I think it's definitely like you're definitely noticing the fact that that's what they like deduce you to. They deduce you to your breasts, they deduce you to your butt. And that's definitely not okay because, you know, there's so many other things to compliment like people about like you could say hey your hair is really pretty I like your eyes oh wow your eyebrows look so good today but no you have to focus um, on something that's you know mainly catered towards sex and that's disgusting so when you do that it's definitely like you know your first impressions is that this person doesn't see you as a person with like a personality or like as a person in general because if you did wouldn't you say something about like the substance of their personality or something other that like other thing that doesn't regard to sex like it's so oh it's disgusting um and just taking that all in i wanted to kind of um shift this conversation towards um <laughs> um 
I wanted to shift this conversation towards uh, the suspect and kind of like uh, what motivated him, quote unquote, or like what what I've read about him and like what I think is very problematic that I think should be discussed. Um, he he was raised in a very strict church environment, um, and he like he he was he was told in his church that anything against like having sex with a woman that you've been married with is a sin masturbation um looking at another person just generally everything was a sin um and this is all this is all just information coming from the washington post in case anyone was wondering where i'm getting this information from and um, a lot of his, a lot of his uh, friends, or like, or people that he would have relationships with, he would, um, as a, I think, either his girlfriend or just a person. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna misuse information, um, uh, <laughs> or just a a person like um, that he was friends with. He said um, he was militant about like he was militant about punishing himself for masturbation. The exact quote was, this was the kind of guy who would hate himself for masturbating um, and would consider that a relapse. And this is kind of a question that goes along with religion and kind of like regarding, and also just the, the environment of like porn these days, because a lot of this of what he reported or at least said to the police is that a lot of this was like, um, revenge for for the porn industry or revenge for tempting him to masturbate or anything of that sorts and as well as like you know him create like having these sins and um, I'm a Jewish woman so I can't speak on anything that is like <laughs> related to Christianity because that's not my religion but I believe that um, several of you here like um, at least <laughs> at least identify or follow the Christian religion. I, at least I know Arish does. Um, I think Brianna does as well. And and I just wanted to ask you about like how do you how do you think religion fits into the narrative of like sexualization as well as masturbation or or the topic of temptation? How do you feel that priests or like um like religious, I can't think of the word, religious officials or like high authorities within within your religion should speak about topics such as sex, you know, and including like masturbation or quote unquote temptation. And how do you feel like it is presented within your subsect of your religion? Um, even if you're not Christian, I would love for you to answer this question. Uh, but Brianna, go ahead if you have a so with his whole reason, uh, the porn industry definitely is not going to suffer because of this. No matter how tragic it is, if anything, the porn industry will probably see boom, specifically in Asian women, because that's just unfortunately how the porn industry works. Um, I was raised specifically in a Methodist church, although I wouldn't consider myself, you know, the strongest Christian or just super religious in general. We haven't, we don't really speak about 
this, like anything to do um sexually like at all ever even when we're in the subsect of when we do like just meetings with just people under the age of 18 just with like minors under the age of 18 or how specifically um we'll do like a teenager where it's just teenagers that come to a certain part you know so you know obviously with the with the increase in maturity you would think that's something to talk about but we really have never like at all i mean granted i haven't i have not been to church for a year so i cannot as a result of covid but i really just that's something we've ever we've never talked about i think that religious churches um they're always as they do because it is religion they always have an influence on somebody but i feel like sometimes it almost religion sometimes depending on the person will impact one's rationality in a way and i think that is not okay that's because that's something me and my church have talked about how um what's the difference between you know respecting god and you know being and being a holy person versus what is going to come about because you are a human and you know humans are not we are not pure beings like as if i'm going to go straight off of what one of my preachers said you know there's a reason jesus died so we could do things and explore as humans do and you know we're not always going to be pure we're not always going to and we're not always going to punish ourselves for what we did i think that in a way what what he's what he did like what he did was wrong but i think this boils down really this boils down to the over the over sexualization of asian women women of color and how how religion impacts one's mind because these are he didn't just think about murdering asian women he didn't just wake up like that he was harboring these feelings for a long time because he was attracted or you know was having these sexual thoughts about these women and he took it upon himself to do what he thought might have been christ-like or jesus-like but it really wasn't and and that's a problem that that's a real problem okay so um i wanted to speak on this topic because i have a lot to say um i'm a roman catholic very similar to christians um and I mean, I've been attending church ever since I was young, and like Brianna said, we never talked about sex in church. We never talked about, you know, anything that had to do with sex, honestly. It was an unsaid thing to wait until marriage, don't masturbate, you know, don't look at porn, don't look at, like, nude pictures. That was an unsaid thing. Everybody knew that. But like Brianna said, we are unpure beings. Like, we were literally made to sin. We cannot be perfect. That's it. And the thing is, in my church, we have these this thing called confessions in which you come into the church, talk to a priest or something, and that is where you basically repent for all your sins. You don't necessarily punish yourself or punish other people because you sin. You repent for your sins. You ask for forgiveness and stuff. So that's how it is in my religion um we knew that we were gonna sin and our way was to ask for forgiveness like we we we, we don't do all that like I, w- I wouldn't say extra stuff but we like we don't go above and beyond to like 
say that we sinned and like ask for forgiveness. We don't do all that. We just pray, talk to him and make sure he hears our plead for forgiveness. So therefore with this murderer did is not acceptable and like brianna said it all boils down to what i mean obviously what he's been surrounded with growing up has a huge effect on this but needless to say it's still a wrong act and it just boils down to how guilty he felt because he was tempted and he didn't know how else to kind of get this guilt out of his head i guess um, from this, I think we can definitely say that there's kind of like, you know, there's Christianity as a religion and what it's perceived to be. So there's obviously like different branches, but I would say there's definitely like a subset of white Christianity that's influencing like this generation of people into thinking like, for example, like there's some people who won't wear a mask because they say like, God will protect me. It's against my religion. I can't wear a mask, you know, and it's kind of, you know, when you think about this person who's kind of like using his religion to justify like why he committed this crime you could say that it's basically cherry picking because in the, i'm pretty sure god has said you know don't kill each other that's bad that's a sin you know and that's pretty obvious but when you go off and you say well i did this in order to do this it's kind of like you're not helping yourself it's you're cherry picking about and you can't follow everything in the bible we can't like you know people wear mixed fabrics people have eaten seafood people have eaten pork it's you know when you say like hey like don't do this but you do this instead to justify it you can kind of see it happening with like homophobia too you know people are saying well it's against my religion but doesn't your religion also say they'll like you know love thy neighbor which means loving everyone for who they are so it's kind of like I don't think that you should use something like religion in order to justify something as horrendous as a murder. I absolutely agree with all those statements. I mean, personally for me, um, I mean, I know, I mean, I'm not a very religious person, similar to um, Brianna, but I absolutely associate with my religion. I'm a very proud Jewish woman. Um, but, <laughs> um, but, like, of course, I don't think at least any of the congregations that I have been to or sometimes affiliate myself with that they would ever, that they should ever, um, like, su like n suppress the conversation of sex. Generally, like in my, in my, in my thinking, if there's, if there's a question about it, especially for religious reasons, because generally I feel that a lot of people are, um, afraid to talk about like subjects of temptation of masturbation which i personally think should never be a, a sin but um just like topics just around sex as a whole and i feel like that should be a, a welcome topic to say of course if you have your separate beliefs of what you think if you if you genuinely think that masturbation is a sin i can't hold you for that or if you think that there are some things that are tempting that you should not um, pay attention to, of course, like that is all you. But um, if we are not allowing conversations of why, like you have these sort of restrictions on on this or that, why why you like couldn't like similar to like what you were saying, was like why do you not support like homosexuality? what's your reasoning what what is there what is there to say 
like if if there is in the bible um love thy neighbor like why why is this something like it's important to have these conversations and to raise these conversations and it and it kind of um it makes me very afraid when i hear of stories of people who come from very like strict churches and of course i i'm not going to hold you for being strict in your religion religion what <laughs> um like if that's if that's how you are if, if you just feel so connected to um whatever path you believe in whether whether it be uh jesus or allah or god but and honestly one and the same whatever path you believe in to get to heaven um you know and whatever like strict way you believe in it please like do so in whatever way you want as long as you're not hurting anybody and this is where like it gets into this conversation of like how how are we teaching through religion to be better people which is kind of like what i was at um questioning to you guys and i really liked your responses i think they were good um but i just also wanted to clarify in general and just going off of that um like with this with this topic of like religion and and, and sex and all that jazz and and like this this subs the suspect who is uh crazy <laughs> um how how are you emotionally affected you know like through all of these um factors that we've just discussed you you experiencing um, the sexualization that he very much um reflected you experiencing like you know the hate that and and the fear of being hated as Arish stated you know you experiencing um your own uh re like religious restrictions or your own um you know like knowledge and in, in what and what you feel is maybe sinful or right you know how how did you feel after after like gaining all of this knowledge and um like gaining and and realizing what happened during the shooting like what was your what was what was your immediate emotional reaction and like after some time of thinking about it what was your reaction then like just genuinely mentally and emotionally like how do you feel Honestly, I feel really sad, um, not only because a lot of people are getting hurt, um, a lot of people are scared, a lot of people are paranoid, but it's also tearing a lot of people apart. Like, I, I, I see a lot of um, Black Lives Matter and Stop Asian Hate people just clashing with each other because, like, a lot of people say that, oh, you guys didn't support us during our fight why was we support you during yours and i think a lot of people are forgetting to factor in the fact that now asian people are understanding what black people have gone through for years like like i was saying earlier i, I felt paranoid just being myself i was scared i wanted to kind of just tuck it in and blend in and i, I it took me a while to realize that this is probably what a lot of black people felt during the years and it's like right like rose said um on the comments we're all fighting against one thing and that's white supremacy so to answer gabby's question right now emotionally i feel really torn and scared sad mentally i'm trying to um kind of just take it day by day kind of not to think too much about it because I mean, one day or another, this this is 
gonna stop hopefully that's what I'm praying for but just in general right now I just feel I don't feel alone but I, I feel really scared very uncomfortable being myself but I, I'll gain my confidence back soon because I know that my culture is beautiful and nothing will ever degrade that period I think that it definitely put in perspective for us to be more hyper aware of the fact that we are Asian people and you're always going to recognize us that there's always like, you know, for example, like if you've lived here, someone can be like, oh, you know, like, where are you from? And you're like, Maryland. No, where are you really from? Maryland, you know? And I guess that goes for like, at least for me, my parents are both of Asian descent and they do live here. So, you know, kind of just like wondering, like, will they be okay in their workplaces because of this happening? Because you could see like, this could be like my parents, like this could happen to them. And having that is definitely like an important conversation. But I also think it's important to note the fact that it's not, I, I wouldn't say it's like, you know, um, how do I say this? So with people who are trying to say like Asian lives matter, you cannot replace the black lives, like the black and black lives matter. That is so, so, so important because when you do that, it's basically doing all lives matter or blue lives matter. So we have our own movement because we're trying to take, we're not trying to take anything away from the BLM movement, which is so important to know. And even with this going on, I feel like it is important to call out anti-blackness in our communities because with the Asian community, there were there were there were definitely Asians who stood up for Black Lives Matter. Um, you see it in the rise of the younger generations. But when you note that there has been anti-blackness in the community, you have to note and constantly go for that change within your own community as well. You can't just say, "Well, this person doesn't support it," and you know, it's it's just fine. It's tradition. It's not. No, it's not a cultural thing. We can move forward and we can change and we can continue to educate everyone to become better allies for all marginalized communities. Um, yeah, so I think personally, I've become more aware of my surroundings now with this with a lot of this going on. I just become more aware of everything. And um, yeah, I just think I'm still like a little scared. And like I said in the beginning, like I'm adopted. So my parents are not Asian, but I've had to educate them on everything going on because they don't exactly understand how I feel right now because I feel a lot more worried, a lot more fear than they do. Um, and a lot, and like I've also, you know, heard from some people that with this Atlanta shooting, um, again, like I said earlier, a lot of people are saying it's not a hate crime because they didn't think that like it was the Asians being targeted. They just thought that it was like women being targeted or something. I Like a lot of people have told me that. And when I hear that, I'm just like, it was a hate crime. End of the story. Like it, that was a hate crime and you cannot make any excuses for that. Again, back to the, you know, uh, fetishes and stuff like that. Like this, you know, it's just like, it's back to that. A lot of people are still using that excuse. And um, I just want to tell everyone that's listening to this that like, that's not an excuse. That's never an excuse. And we have to be, uh, we have to keep educating people. Um, you know, all of us here, like, I'm, I'm glad we did this because we're educating people and we're telling our stories and how we feel. And so I think that's really important. Like right now, like everyone's saying, I'm taking it day by day. And each day I'm going to still try to educate people 
and I'm still going to try to be in this movement. Still, like, if you're going to use a hashtag, use hashtag, hashtag stop Asian hate because, like Rose said, we cannot stop the Black Lives Matter hashtag. That is so important. Don't stop that movement. Like, that still needs to continue on. We're still trying to make our own. So there's a lot of things. There's a lot of things going on, and it's it's sad. It breaks my heart that we have to, you know, keep seeing these things happen. Um, and, you know, I hope they stop soon. I, I don't think they're ever going to stop, but I hope that we educate people to see that, like, this is important stuff to talk about and it should not be ignored. And, you know, we should still keep, you know, spreading the message. And that's also part of social media. And, you know, people keep sharing that story as well, you know, on social media. Um, and, you know, like the other day, um, my teachers were talking about it and we were talking about, like, what's our generation known for? And, like the top three were like social media, you know, the Asian hate crimes and Black Lives Matter. You know, so there's a lot of things going on in our generation. And like Gabby said in the beginning, it's our generation that is like being affected by this right now. We're the ones standing up for it. So I think we should continue to do that. I think that there's, I, I've always been aware and paranoid of my surroundings. And I, I don't know, I guess, and this might be that fuel between the black community and the Asian community of how, you know, in a way I used to be jealous of my Asian friends because they never, that was something that they never had to go through. And not to say I'm like, yay, now, now all of, now all of, now the Asian community is all paranoid. Like that breaks my heart now as I've gotten older and seen and seeing things that have happened to all communities, all marginalized communities, that's a that's a scary feeling. That's a heartbreaking and scary feeling to be terrified of people who don't like you because of something that you cannot change about yourself. And even if you could, you would not change about yourself because you love that part of you. And that's really scary. And it really breaks my heart because now, you have more and more, if not, I think at this point, really any minority, no matter minority through race, sexuality, or gender, that is in fear for their lives all the time. And when you're always in fear for your lives, I feel like there isn't, I feel like there's not enough change being done, not fast enough, in my opinion. I feel like, I hope through our generation and new and generations after that the change comes faster and we hold more people accountable and if somebody is and we're willing to have conversations with people who might who we might see as wrong because then they still have time to change I feel like there are some things that you can be wrong on and I feel like I hope those people when you have that conversation with them that they change and I feel like that's what this podcast does and just in general with social media and everything just the ability to talk about how you feel about topics like these and how you're and how what part of what part of marginalized groups you might be and how that affects how you see all of these. And I mean, that's it. I just I hope we keep educating people on stuff like this. I hope that between the Black Lives Matter movement and and to protect Asian lives and the and the sexual assault and sexual harassment allegations I've been seeing everywhere for like the past 
past like at least month or so that they've really blown up just that we protect each other and we keep each other safe because it's been shown that we cannot trust the people that we thought are going to protect us. And I feel like this, all of this oppression Olympics, as a lot of people I know call, as my grandmother calls it, has to really stop in order for us to combat white supremacy, really. And I'm um, going off of Brianna and all of your statements about this, about this um, coming movement um, and like working, working to support each other. What do you guys feel is the best way to move forward from this? What do you feel is the best way to, to raise awareness about this, to solve the problems um, or the issues that come up with this? Um, do you have any specific um, advice for those listening or specific uh, solutions that maybe they can do? Um, do you think that like posting uh, so many um, <laughs> so many stories about like people being injured or like these shootings, do you think that's helpful or do you have like better other ways that they can contribute and move forward and just in general for for like, the country in general, do you have any um, thoughts on how we should and what you would want to see moving forward? Um, I think with the posting and everyone posting them on their story, you know, like I've seen a lot of people just repost it. And, you know, in the back of my head, I'm like, do they really know all the facts or are they just reposting it to seem like they want to support everything going on? Because I've, I, I know certain people, and I'm not judging them, but I know certain people who will just repost stuff just to seem like they're in support or like, you know, and they're the ones like I've seen, you know, there's so, there's so many things that people can repost, like stop bullying and stop all that. And then they're the ones at school who bully people. And it's like, why are you like, what are you trying to get across here? So I think that you have to be really careful when you repost things because, you know, you can have you know, you can act like there's like a meaning behind that, but just reposting something isn't going to help a lot of times. You got to like do stuff like this, like what we're doing. We are doing something, not just reposting things on our stories. You know, we're talking about it. We're spreading the message. We're educating people. So I think that's just one of the main things is just be really careful with what you're posting and reposting because you you might not know all the facts, you know, and you might not have those same experiences as someone else. Like, I love that people are trying to spread the message of this, but again, just be like, you know, try to do more and just like talk about it and not just post a screenshot of something like talk about, you know, how you feel about it. I'm really glad you brought up like this kind of like rise in social media activism. I'm actually involved in a nonprofit that does have a platform for um, current issues and education. And um, one thing I will note is that we um, kind of like within this community, sometimes they kind of rush to get things out. And I hate to say it, I'm not going to mention any specific ones, but don't you think it's a little attention grabby when say like an event just happened in two or three hours, there's already like an infographic with colorful like shapeless faces already done. And there's just like the pretty calligraphy that's just like murder has happened. Like, you know, just like think about it. Like you're not letting people deal with what has been going on. You're rushing to get it out there. And what for it to be reposted by like teenagers to like 
seem as if they know what's going on. So yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like that. Those take those things take time to process. And when you're kind of like in an organization with this kind of platform, you need to be aware that you can't just oh well, I need to cover this right now so I can get the most likes and people are gonna post this on their stories like constantly. You need to take time. But with that though, I would say it is really great to be involved in. Um, nonprofits and joining kind of like people with platforms because they're always looking to hire people and they want people you know who can write people who can do research and a lot of that like people can do and you know if you have the time and you're capable like please look into joining one they all they you have good messages but they're you know you still have to critique them on their flaws such as you know trying to beat the algorithm and covering these types of stories. Um, I definitely agree with what both of you guys say. Um, regarding social social media, I think it's really important to put value into what you're posting, reposting, or whatnot. I I see a lot of my Filipino friends, um, posting pictures of their family from when they first moved here, really old pictures, and actually typing up like their stories, like sharing their stories and sharing how they feel. I feel like that really adds va- value to um this movement, but besides like the whole social media thing i feel like there's a lot more we can do i like i said earlier i'm seeing a lot of um division within like minorities when if we're being honest we're all fighting against the same thing like we've already mentioned so i feel like uniting all the minorities and people who care about situations such as the blm stop asian hate all that stuff like uniting those people uniting i feel like will create a really strong message and like what we're doing right now, I feel like conversation really needs to be had all with those who disagree and all with those who agree with what we're fighting for and stuff. I feel like it's really important to, uh, I guess, hear both sides of the stories, although it's going to be really hard to kind of just sit there and be like, yeah, you're right. Like, of course, you're not going to sit there and say, yeah, you're right. But it's important to hear them out. That's basically what they want is to be heard out because obviously they're attention seekers. But Anywho, yeah, conversation, unity, um, <laughs> spreading messages, valuable messages through social media. I feel like that helps a lot. We're really young. There's only so much we can do. But as we grow up, I know, I know, I know our generation will do so much more in order to stop this world of hatred. I just know we're going to be the ones, okay? We will be the ones to stop this thing. Um. Yeah, again, like with those infographics, I think we need to Like I was one of, I saw so many people post before me and like when I posted, I just wanted to like make sure I got all my facts straight because sometimes people post those things like that, like Rose was saying, like they can post those things like fast, like after this, like after the certain, you know, incidents happens, like those shootings, the word gets out really quick and a lot of times the facts aren't fully updated and so then people will post it but then later they'll be like, oh, no, 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 wait, like, I got that wrong. Like, I just, like, wait until all the facts come out, maybe, and, let, let, like, let people process it before you post something really quick. Because sometimes the wrong word can get out or, you know, just take some time to process things before you post them. Um, with that being said, um, I, I, I'm so glad that you all have kind of ideas on how we should that how we should help, how we should move forward. Um, 
I I want to like that that was a question just broadly for people, but I also want to kind of direct this question like solely to to your friends or to the people that follow you or to the people within your school that may be ignorant um, or 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 tone deaf to all of to all of the uh, the very loud and very high-pitched calls that we're trying to put out there. Is there any specific words that you want to give to them? Um, oh, <laughs> that you want to give to them and you want to specifically like uh, uh, like target to them and say like, this, this is what you need and this is what we need so that we can work together because this is, I want this to be a group process, you know, change doesn't start from um, just black people advocating for their rights or just Asian people advocating for their rights. Change starts from people cooperating because that's what this country is supposed to be about, is it not? People working together to make the change that they need for a greater society. So whatever you guys think that everybody can do especially your friends i just want you to like i just really want to direct this to people who you know and, and who you want to make sure like they hear your voice and your opinions i would start off by saying just listening to us in general like taking what we say seriously because i know like sometimes like first of all just as women in general we don't always get taken seriously when we talk about something really serious Second of all, as Asians, sometimes we don't get, you know, I think you just need to listen to us. And if you have questions, ask. Don't be scared to be like, don't be like, oh, my God, they're going to think that's so weird to ask. Like, no, I'm like, I'm open to conversation. That's what you got to do. You got to be open to conversation. It, like, you can't, you know, if you really want to do something about it, you just got to talk about it and you got to have that conversation, that open conversation with different opinions. Sometimes you'll have a different opinion and that's okay. Like when a lot of this um, Black Lives Matter happened, I reached out to a lot of people and I just had a conversation about it because I wanted more, like I just wanted to get more educated about it and how people were experiencing it and how people were like going through that because I don't know, I, I, I have no understanding of that personally. And so I I feel like I would really appreciate someone reaching out to me like when Gabby reached out to me and was like, do you want to be on this podcast? I was like, yeah, like I want to be on here. Like I need to talk about this. Like it's, it's good when people talk about these situations. So just reach out. If you know me, what's up, feel free to talk to me and I will talk to you about it. And, you know, I'll educate you as much as I possibly can. And, you know, if you have questions about the facts, like what everything that's going on and stuff like that, um, yeah, we would really appreciate that. Just, you know, talking about it and you listening to us because we don't feel like we're listened to a lot. So just, you know, listen to us and just. Um, I've said this before in my social media, but I say it again. Closed mouths don't get fed. So like Casey said, if you have questions, if you want to gain more knowledge on the situation, hit me up. I'm not going to come to you aggressively unless you come to me the wrong way. 
if you have any questions, come to me. Like, it doesn't hurt to ask as long as you have good intentions about it. We're not going to spaz on you because you asked a question that you wanted to gain more knowledge on. It's okay. That's how we're going to learn. That's how we're going to understand each other. That's how we're going to move forward is by simply comprehending each other's perspectives. That's it. It doesn't have to be a whole issue. And I've said this again on my social media before, but I'll say it again. I don't mean to bring any type of negativity, negativity, but if you're my friend and I finally found the courage to speak up on this situation, if you're my quote unquote friend and you've made stereotypical Asian women jokes to me, you're not my friend. It was never funny. It was not funny. I was just scared to speak up because I didn't know how you were going to react to my reaction. So now I'm saying this, if, you, if you're my quote-unquote friend and you keep making stereotypical Asian or stereotypical women jokes to me or any of my Filipino friends, you are not our friend. It hurts. Like, actually, we just don't know how to react to it. It actually hurts us. So kindly, respectfully, if you have any Asian friends, please stop doing that. It's just not funny. And a lot of times we just simply don't know how to react to it. So we end up not saying anything about it or we just laugh it off with you thinking it's all cool. It's not. I wanted to uh, mainly what Gabby asked about people who are um, ignorant and uh, tone deaf. I um, There are two ways to go about this. And it is to be, um, for me, I think obviously always conversations and asking questions and to be educated are really helpful and powerful. However, I think it has come to a point where conversations, we've had enough conversations. There's there the conversating at this point is coming to a close. The discussions on how people are mistreated and how people are murder are murdered and killed and are dying and are tortured throughout their daily life. You can you can look that up. You can look it up. It's it's the discussion is over. The conversations are over. Again, don't be don't feel wrong or afraid if you because obviously as a generation we are young. So I so I definitely don't want to scare people off from asking questions to anybody. But that is now that is now coming to a close. I don't think it is that's that's not going to effectuate the change that we all need to see and um it's it's getting old it's getting tiring i think that if you find yourself on if you find yourself on the other side of things like um protect asian lives and black lives matter if you find yourself giving excuses giving excuses to the people that committed these atrocities and you find yourself saying oh, well, he deserved it, oh, well, he didn't mean it, then I truly and fully believe that you are on the wrong side of history because there is there, there is no way that you grow up in the digital age and you see these things happen to these people and that is the first thing you think about. I think that really shows a, <laughs> I, think at, I think at a certain point we've done, wait, I think the discussing is over. And I think that at this point, if you asking questions and having questions is one thing, but I think if you are unwilling to discuss and you are unwilling to see other opinions, then you won't be a part of the change and you will end up 
on the wrong side of history. I think that there's definitely a line with that. And um, that's about it. Don't be afraid to ask questions, but don't be afraid to be knowledge and see how your point might need to be changed or how you might be wrong. Because I think just being tone deaf, even if you're on my side and you are just completely tone deaf to the other side, is also wrong. And you you will look like a fool. Um, I think for a good closing, so there's a lot of things you can do. So first thing first, don't be compliant to what's happening. Uh, these things are happening and they're very real. Um, for students who are listening, there are definitely a lot of clubs in schools or even outside of schools that will be willing to educate you. Um, I joined a few political clubs. I've done, um, like I said, I've joined a nonprofit. And, you know, I tried to educate myself that way. So there's definitely things that you can do in order to find an environment where you can be educated, even if you, you know, you can be educated. And if you want to hear about like other people's perspectives, that's like a great way to be involved, um, like this podcast, for example. And um, another thing you can do is to do your own research. You don't have to wait for an event to happen before you start researching it. You know, you have, you know, you have to have empathy. And you need to have, you know, kind of like your own opinions, but make sure your opinions aren't hateful because that's just an easy way to see if you're on the correct side or not. But, you know, take initiative and do your part because if everyone thinks that they can't do anything to spark change, then no one is ever going to start it. So, yeah, that's my closing. Um, okay, uh, Rose, do you have any... Um nonprofits that people could participate in um going off of that by the way yeah sure um well i'm involved in the reclamation project um you can find us on instagram we have around 20k followers and um with that there's also diversify your narrative the women of color conference you can check out generations or specifically for um people who want to learn about more asian stuff dear asian youth is a great platform i know that they're hosting a women of color conference so they have women of like all different um, backgrounds in different areas such as like business sports um technology and they're hosting conferences and like how to get involved with that and um i know dear asian youth allows you to start different chapters in order to educate people about things happening with um you know kind of like the rise with edu- asian education and trying to normalize things like that and also um, if there isn't one already at your places, you can definitely reach out to a lot of these nonprofits because they're willing to start chapters for schools and colleges. So please, like, you know, it's there, it's available, and they'd love to help you get started. All right. Um, do you guys have any any other last words, any other like things that you that you need to express? Um, it's not really regarding the situation, but I feel like I needed to make it more clear regarding my situation with my family that I expressed earlier. My family didn't mean any harm. It's just, they were just simply pointing it out, but I know it sounded really, really wrong, but I promise they were not trying to sexualize me or anything. I know they did not mean it in that way. It's just as I grew up, I realized it was really, it was weird for them to be saying stuff like that, but regardless... They did not mean me any harm. Just wanted to put that out there because y'all know I love my family. And yeah. Um, thank you for listening to this podcast and for inviting us here. It was 
a really great opportunity to be able to talk about this. Yeah, and just of course. having like like all these people just talk about their own experiences and how we can all relate to each other. I think that's definitely a great way in starting the conversation and hopefully we inspire a lot of people to follow in our lead and continue having the conversation. All right, those, you took the words right out of my mouth. Uh, thank you so much for saying that so eloquently. I probably would have tripped up at least like three or four times. Um, but this is this is the end of our podcast. I want to um, compel the audiences at home to please, like if you have questions about anything that the cast said today, please like reach out to them. Their names are gonna be on the podcast. And you guys, I feel like a lot of you have my social media. Um, if not, my my Instagram is my name. It's Gabriella.feinberg. And you can like reach out to me if you need their if you need their socials and ask some questions about the situation. Ask some questions if you need to know, you need clarification, you want more information on what to do, how to do better, or just want to understand more, or just how maybe you can move forward if you can't necessarily have time to join a nonprofit or anything like that just have these conversations and I just hope that you go away from this understanding um, a little bit more if, if not a lot but at least a little bit more what you know what Asian women go through and what like maybe a lot of Asian people go through and and the fear that they may have and and the hate that they may receive I really appreciate everyone for listening and um, I'm gonna have everybody say their closings so anyone just say just say your name and you can say your say your little goodbyes hi guys it's Irish thank you so 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 much for listening to yet another round table we so so appreciate you and I appreciate everybody here for having such an open heart and mind to be able to express themselves y'all are so strong and I promise we're gonna get through this I promise we are Hi, this is Casey. Um, thank you, Gabby, for inviting us to this podcast and allowing us to have this conversation. And I'm so glad that I met everyone here because like, that's so cool. I feel like now we like shared all of our stories and we can talk more together, hopefully. And um, yeah, I'm just, again, reach out. Don't be scared to talk about this. It's something that is going on right now and it's really current. And it's something that we should all keep talking about. So yeah, thanks for having me. Hey, I'm Rose and I am so thankful to be able to have this opportunity with all of these amazing people and just being able to kind of like talk about something that means so much to all of us. It's really amazing what you guys are doing with your platforms and how we're all, you know, we all have this mission to educate people. So if you guys ever need someone to talk to, please like do not be afraid to reach out and thank you. Um, it's Brianna just to, this This is an amazing experience. I really like doing this, just to talk with other people who I didn't originally know to get and hear new experiences. Um, for the audience specifically, just to keep wanting to learn and to educate other people around you and just to overall be good people. And finally, I'm your host, Gabriella, and this was Tough Talk. Thank you so much for listening.